Don't walk in the wires. I didn't walk in the you, wires. You walked on both the wires. Where's the proof, Josh? My memory. Where's the proof? It's not Josh. In my head. You've got dementia. Prove that I can't remember that. Proof. Hello. Welcome to another episode of ATT. I sound really depressing. <coughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to another episode of ATT. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, we're just going to have a wee friendly chat, me and Josh. Uh, we basically did a bit of homework. Um, I said, Josh, let's look at Matthew 8. And uh, we did, and we both did our own sort of notes on it. And we're just having a little bit of a, of a, of a kind of like, uh, just a friendly chat about this um, chapter. It's quite a short chapter. Um, and it's it's got like three or four significant just quick stories. Starts with a leper, and then a centurion, and then Jesus healing a bunch of people, and then the cost of following Jesus come in a storm, and then the and then he. Uh, uh, <coughs> what is the goal of today's episode, Ben? What what are we trying to find to wake, out? To wake Christians up. Yeah, that's what my goal is. Because we're going to have different goals, because as I said, we have different notes on what we both think Matthew 8 is. But my goal is to violently shake Christians awake yeah. and be like, wake up, because <laughs> this is serious. So you called me the other day, uh, gave me a, a few pointers of that those passages saying, this is what I'm talking about. And then I was like, right, I'll, I'll get something to talk about. Uh, written to that and one of the things you said uh, was basically yes uh, you said wake people up and also where is our society like in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things and you mm-hmm. you alluded to we're living in the times of Noah and mm-hmm. if you know our past mm-hmm. guest uh, Carl Carl Blackwood, Blackwell mm-hmm. he likes to say that a lot mm-hmm. we're living in the times of Noah Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe we'll have some insight. In what that. led me to Matthew eight was I had this idea, I had this thought of um, this is evidence that we're living in the time of Noah. I find if we were to just like pick somebody from the past, somebody from medieval times, Bible times, somebody even probably just before the car was invented or just something like that. Even probably no, not even even from the first or second world war or whatever. Um, somebody who isn't alive today, who wouldn't be alive today, and we just like abducted them and just put them in this world. I believe that they would either think they have reached either a paradise or hell or a mixture of the two. And I just really, really, really wanted to kind of like interview somebody like that and really, really... Shame they're all dead. Yeah, and get their perspective on what it is today. Um, I'm only going to briefly talk on that societal thing because I think when reading Matthew 8, it doesn't really talk about society in a whole. It talks about people. And that is basically society. We had an episode where I basically called society the a big, almost family kind of thing. Where like a society is like a giant family and a one that works well is like with the family, like that works like a family. Obviously, that's not happening anymore. Or even if it's hard to even remember a time that it ever did, because there's just a constant under like argument, understanding, and there's never going to be, uh, there's never going to. I got a sneeze. Sorry. 
Ugh, sorry. There's never going to be a time. <laughs> I've got a cold. Yeah, hang yeah. in there, Ben. <laughs> um, there's never going to be a time, obviously, whenever there's going to be absolute peace and we have paradise and there's going to be no conflict or anything because conflict, small amounts of stress, is good. It, 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 it fuels progress. Questions fuel answers. Um, Elaborate on your point. Uh, you said, did either think paradise, hell, or in a mixture of both? Explain your So let's pretend reasoning. I'm this person and I get abducted and i'm put in this place first of all first thing i think i would notice is well women are just beautiful all right because makeup and and physical everything's just through the roof compared to in the past so you'd think you've landed in this city of angels unless you're going to belfast that's just no (laughs) um but then on the other hand you just or no, and then you have this, it's like a first impression, everything just looks spectacular. People are driving cars and get anywhere they There's material want. abundance. Exactly. You've got screens and you can contact people from across the world. If I had one of those devices, say I came from the Viking times or something and I had this device that could communicate, I, they would worship me as a god and I would be up among the Norse gods. Or you will be murdered for, or I will be uh, murdered for witchcraft. Exactly. Which is more likely, I think. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, um, you know, and it's just so, so people call it progress, and I'm like, well, that's grand. I'm just challenging the fact that people, in terms of their base traits of fear and faith, and those are the two things I want to talk about the most. Fear and faith is the most fundamental attributes within a human being in their walk in life. And it hasn't changed from Adam right up until the present day right now. And the present day, I think I said this before, the present day is the most important time because it's right now that we're all living and you don't know what tomorrow's going to happen. You already know what happened in the past. Right now is the most important time because it's we're all living together right now is, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. But um, Is this your segue? What? <laughs> what? what? Is this your segue into the, the passage? No? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, so yeah, when you listen to this podcast, just um, I want you to think about fear and faith, okay? Uh, elaborate, just to briefly summarize what fear is, we all live, you know, afraid of something. We talked about this in our dragons episode and how they're dragons to conquer. It's fear, ultimately, that bring those dragons to realization. Um, and then it's whether you conquer that fear or be ruled by that fear. And I feel like society is all about fear, fear of, you know, being rejected, fear of being cancelled, fear of being injured or not being liked or this, this, we live in a, such a cowardly kind of society. Um, I was talking to my friend and he was, or my uncle, and he was saying, oh, you got to be very, very careful what you say in your podcast, Ben. You know, it, uh, you you say the one wrong thing, you've got trolls, and they will just highlight the one thing, and they'll just not, they'll just not, they'll just torment you. And I'm just like, look, I do my podcast with a troll. It's fine. <laughs> He's got a lot of stuff on me. I'm just talking about that. If 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 a troll was just to pester me for the rest of my life because I was talking about my beliefs, then I get off easy compared to people in compared to Christians in Afghanistan, compared to Christians in China, compared to Christians all over the world. Um, in lower lower country and um, lower uh, what's it called LEDC countries, who are murdered third world countries third world countries who are who are murdered and and um, removed and imprisoned for their faith. I'm getting off lucky. 
So that's just what I want to clarify. I want to clarify that I do well, not, not even live. Not even third world countries. Yeah. I mean, hear what's happening in Canada. That's shocking. Um, mm. Loads of ministers there are imprisoned because or they jailed. Just, they're just they, one people in their church. They, they didn't cease preaching. And then yeah. they I, I read actually a few days ago that Texas just basically filed a case that was like, so the state was in charge of how long religious services could be um that's the government the overall government of america and they were and then a texas were like nope (laughs) our services are going to be as long as we want them to be i think in the south of ireland there's there's a big problem with uh, yeah and it's getting closer it is getting closer there was a pastor imprisoned in london who uh, basically said um uh, marriage is for a man and woman and he was he was, imprisoned. he was detained and imprisoned for it right for for and he was put on trial for it as hate speech because we don't have uh um we don't have amendments we don't have a we don't have a uh, like america we don't have a, a, a set doc- of infallible yeah we don't have a document principles. that limits government control i mean look what's happening in australia it's yeah. literal prison in people's homes well People you hear are, what's happening uh in our sort of political uh sphere this what was it um I'm drawing a blank now uh but this guy basically got the rules changed for him in his case and it was easy to do that because he was basically friends with boris johnson <laughs> regardless regardless <coughs> of if in his specific case was an exception or not it's beside that they kind of you can see the rules are a wee bit flexible yeah friends in high places regardless of they should be bent or not you know the point is you know yeah they're flexible it's the fact that now you can be put on trial for things that you say and then it doesn't have to be directly to someone you know it's it's and this, is, this is quite interesting i, I did, just before i go on listeners um it, this this episode is going to be just a lot of chat between me and Josh and just about different things in life and what's happening in the world and how we're going to basically relate it to Matthew 8 but just just to, just to hang in there for a second but it's interesting that we bring this up because um would you say it's fear ultimately that people are being ruled by you know and ultimately it's fear that gather people into crowds that bully other people do we in general or in terms of specifically you know um, I, I would say specifically now because as I said now is the most important time we can look at history and see that there is obviously a drastic change always yeah. um, I believe a slippery slope going down um, but if we were to talk about what's important then what's important is in the present is what I'm saying Um. well I think there's an element of fear that plays in any hierarchical hier- hierarchy structure whether it's a good structure or not mm. um but there's there's different types of fear there's a fear that is like i respect someone and mm. i fear them you know i'm not gonna Putin. i'm not gonna <laughs> treat him like a like a fool or a clown you mm. know mm. out of <clears throat> fear or respect yes but uh, there's another kind of fear which is like a ty- tyrannical kind of fear yes like i'm doing i'm only upholding this yeah this authority figure yeah. as a because i might get 
my my head's on the line exactly. here, and I, I mean, think I think it's right now it's tailoring towards that. Yeah, segment. I mean, for example, I fear my boss. Everybody fears their boss because that boss can hold a specific, a very big advantage over you in terms of what happens in your career. That's not. I'm terrified of my boss. That's uh, that's a fear that is comes with that kind of respect, and that respect out sort of outweighs that fear whenever you build up a relationship with your boss. Um, so there's fear, okay. And the listeners, you can go on and give more examples about you know fear and what it is you've got. Obviously, fear of the dark, the basic kind of fear. But then you've got these other fears that me and Josh have just discussed there. Now I want to talk about faith. <clears throat> I believe faith to be a kind of opposite to fear, or if not opposite, I believe it to be the sort of antidote. I was reading about the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and um, you know when he was in Gethsemane, and he said, "Lord, Lord, take this cup from me. Let the hour pass by me. Don't let it be me." Kind of idea. But then at the very end, he says, "Yet not my will, but your will be done." And Christians are always have been chanting that for thousands and thousands of years. Yet not my will, but God's will be done. All right. That is, I think for me, just this shield, this bubble of what anything bad can happen to me. Well, it doesn't necessarily cease fear. Um, like I, and I, maybe that's not even a good thing to cease fear. Uh, I, th- I think it's at least calms i believe you can endure fear if fear is yeah to, if fear it allows is, you to endure if, fear. yeah if if fear is a burning if, if if fear is your house burning i believe faith is the fire suit you put on to rescue yeah. your kids in the house you know like i i see i see not necessarily the house being put not out necessarily the house being put out because yeah. it's not uh, by yeah, it's not by my will it's by god's will um that's faith um short and sweet of course there's as i said along with fear lots of definitions uh, lots of people can obviously describe what faith is to them another thing i would say is faith is is um a lot of people think well, what's the difference between faith and belief um and everyone talks about oh, what's a leap of faith and what's a leap of belief a leap of belief is i can jump i believe i can jump off a building I'm not going to, but I I have the knowledge that my legs can walk me to the top of a building and have the ability to leap off of it. Faith is the is the is the belief that you're going to be okay after you do it. Okay, faith is the realization that after you do do the leap, you will be okay after you um, after you do the jump. That's that's another that's another um, example that I like to use with uh, faith. But uh, we're going to read chap- uh, Matthew eight now. So um, I think we should read these story after story. We're not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a there's loads one, of really two, tiny stories in three, these four, five and six. Okay, so there's there's just six mini stories, and we're going to take them through one at a time. So um, <clears throat> Jesus cleanses a leper. When he came down from the mountain, uh, the, and this is after the um, Sermon on the Mount, is it not? Yeah, I think so. Um, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. 
And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What do you think of that, Josh? Well, I suppose it's saving faith. Yeah, it's, well, okay, first of all, Jesus heals. Okay, that's like a big quality that Jesus has. (laughs) He heals people. Um, but I find it interesting he says see that you say nothing to anyone but go immediately and show yourself to the priest I think that's interesting he doesn't say you know go and tell go and tell everyone about me and you know bring me their sick and I will blah de blah de blah I will just do all my my, my, my my miracles he says say nothing to it but go I wonder why he said that you know I wonder why he said that Part of me thinks it's to <coughs> it's to really um well let's look at the leper. If you're a leper in this time you're an outcast. You live in colonies where everyone else is lepers and you you're basically stuck and it's a horrible disease where basically you lose feeling and then you injure yourself and it's 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 just a it's just a really bad situation and it's this man's faith who says says, um, Lord, if you will you can make me clean. He doesn't question him, you know. It's not a question. It's yeah, and also the fact that he it, was told not to tell anyone. He's not the, the only one who's bore witness to this is his conscience, conscience, and yeah. he he doesn't like he can just be like, oh, well, that's a lot, a lot of rubbish. He doesn't. He doesn't say. He doesn't say. He doesn't say. Lord, could you make me well? Do you think you could do that? Yeah, for me, Jesus. It's his faith. It's um look, I know you can heal me. If it be your will, you will heal me, you know. And Jesus responds with not be clean, but I will. You know, and I will is such a it's such a it's such a overused kind of thing. You know, it's like, oh I will do that for you. But what is will? It's it's um drive. You yep. know, it's 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 more than just I'll do, I will do that. It's like I will it. I want it to to be. I give my consent for this to happen. That's what will is. Yeah. I will this podcast to get a million views. I will it. <laughs> I I will let it happen. You know. Um, <laughs> You'll allow it. I consent it. I will allow it. That's basically it. Jesus okay. will allow it. All right. Um, and you know, when you hear this, it's like, oh, look, Jesus has healed another leper. Woo. I think there's another story. I think it's about the 10 lepers. Jesus heals 10 lepers and none of them thank him and they all go away whipping and cheering, but one comes back, you know? Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's, it's not a different kind of faith. It's still saving faith. Um, but I think it's interesting that Jesus already knew that, um, uh, Jesus already knew that those 10 lepers were nine of them were already gonna just leave away. And what does he said? He said, he said, I think he said, I think he said the same thing as this. Um, he said, uh, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine, imagine you went. To, imagine you came to Jesus. 
imagine you're not a Christian and then you become a Christian, but then you have this sense to not tell anyone that you've been saved, but to go straight to, say, your minister and say it. I mean, for me, if I didn't become... Well, I, I became a Christian when I was about... Well, I mean, I'd say when I was 11, but then I'd say I fell away, and then I re-became a Christian. I was refined, I guess, um, when I was 15, or around that area. Um, I would say the last person I ever wanted to tell my kind of testament to would be the minister that I had at the time, um, just because of how things were. Yeah. But then again... I'm at fault for going into the amount of detail that I did. I could have just said, I'm a Christian now, I was saved. And that could have saved. If you hear the screams, that's <laughs> Ballyclare for you. Uh, this we're, we're now in, It's like ADT, but now in Ballyclare. Yes. Lots of background noise in this room. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Um, if I said, I'm a Christian now, I've been saved... That could have just been the end of it, and I could have saved a whole lot of heartbreak and a whole lot of gritty disputes if I just said, "Jesus saved me." To the person who is the most who has the most power, then that person has the influence to the other people, and they would say, "Jesus saved him," because what's it better? What's 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 it better in your church? Having your minister say, well, ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Young is now a brother in Christ. He's been saved, um, and uh, we welcome him into our, our church family. It's a lovely feeling. And if I, I feel if I said something like that, then it would be received in the same way, and I would feel uplifted. But because I went into details on how I was saved that my minister didn't agree with, there was none of that kind of understanding that i find and that and a hundred percent it could just be a misunderstanding still up until this point i haven't seen him well but i think that i relate to the to what he's saying there say nothing to anyone but go to your priest and give the gift that moses commanded for a proof to them um or some well in general life uh Sometimes it's not a good idea to front your front to your success. Absolutely, just around everyone you meet. Mm. If you meet just a person you don't know on the street, you say, look at all these things I've done. I've done this today. Yeah. I've done this. It's great. And like today, I not, woke up sick, but now I'm better. <laughs> Are you better? <laughs> I mean, who's that person? That's you're you're devaluing your successes if you're speaking on deaf ears mm. or ears that degrade. Mm -hmm your words and yeah it's like speaking to bricks or stones so, but Jesus said don't throw pearl, uh, pearls before swine yes right? exactly. that's it's the same idea if you're like you, you don't you don't necessarily show your riches to people who do not care cannot or will not cannot compute who do not allow it <laughs> um, right so that, that was just our quick I mean there's stuff that's happened to me that i'm not gonna tell almost anyone right and except all the listeners of the podcast <laughs> i'm not a joshua young exclusive um well definitely not 
anytime soon anyway but uh, I think not necessarily for my sake it's for it's for their sake Mm. I think it's it's just gonna be it'll probably hinder them more than anything Mm. Uh, there's a reason like you you can tell this sort of story of um, like Moses he went up the mountain to commune with God and Mm. then when he comes back his face is glowing Mm. right and they have to put a veil on him Mm. there's something to do with that sort of story Mm. why is there a veil glory I find that Well, Jesus waited until he was in his thirties to see to 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 be Jesus. You know, why didn't he do it when he was in his twenties? Why didn't he do it as a teenager? The there was there was a significant moment and time of preparedness that Jesus took until it was the right moment. And I find that Christians have that, and that's why I link it back to not by our will but God's will. If it was my will and I was just like this is me I'm going to be open and honest all the time which I wish I could be but honesty not only is honest honesty is not something soft and cuddly and treasured honesty is a is a stone cold castle in which you can entrap yourself in it's for example the most honest person I know is my friend Kelsey man doesn't give two craps about what he says he will just say it and you're just like thank you you're honesty you know uh my cousin as well uh he, he he's very he's very honest as well but he he would approach it in a way that would build you up rather than in my friend kelsey's way build, put you down it's not it's not a diss on either of them you know it's not i'm not praising them I'm also not dissing them. It's just what honesty is. Honesty is something that somebody can either fall behind on and use as a shield or give as a shield to somebody else. Um, um, We're going to talk about this kind of honesty and how it links with faith in this next story. Um, The faith of a centurion. We haven't even got to where I started writing notes on this. This episode's going to be ages. It's going to be great. Fire away. So, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion, as uh, so, uh, so, so a soldier in charge of a hundred men, in the Roman, Roman Empire. The people that the Jews do not like, the people, you know, the Romans took over the, the lands. And it's the Romans, okay, the enemy. And the centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly and Jesus said to him like he said all the time I will come and heal him but the centurion I love this, this is, there's three centurions three centurions I'm going to talk about but and the centurion replied Lord I am not worthy to have you come under my roof but only say the word and my servant will be healed for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, the one lying in his his bed, do this, and he does it. And I love this. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. 
Uh, this is great. And he said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. This is a Roman foreign centurion. And he talks, he says Israel. All right, so he's literally talking about the entire occupants of Israel. This is the first time I have found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. What is he saying there? I know it's quite hard to understand, but basically Jesus has said, there will be people from all around the world. He says east to west for a reason. East to west can never meet. North and south meet. The more north you go, eventually you'll go south. But you can always, always go west and you can always, always go east. They never meet. So all over the world, Jesus is saying there will be people who will dine with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob while the sons of the kingdom, so Israel, the people that Jesus is with right now, they will never see that. And this centurion bears that He's like the, the, the mascot of all of the world. This centurion, this foreigner, this yeah. person who's in charge of a military force, by the way. You know, I mean, it's no wonder that um, uh, uh, the centurion is like, um, what's it say? It says, um, a centurion came forward. No one's going to stop him. Like, <laughs> you know, um, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's in charge of 100 men. And then he turns, and then Jesus turns back to the centurion and he says, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, I, I love, well, if you've been listening to this podcast, um, you know me that I love to try and pick a character. Like, they're obviously the main character in. Um, in, in the story of Samuels and all is David but then I always talk about Saul the main character in the, the Gospels is Jesus but I like to talk about the people who Jesus talked to because we relate more to them alright if you th- if you try and if you try and relate to Jesus in a way we can't relate to Jesus Jesus relates to us when he entered into the into the world in, 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 in as a human as a man and did the unthinkable for us you know where he had temptations and where he suffered uh, brutally at the hands of a man you know, he lived what it is to be a man. Um, but I just think it's it's incredible that the centurion just sat there and thought, why does Jesus need to come and touch my servant? He's a busy man. <laughs> he is such faith. He says, you are the Lord. All right. So there's that first, you are the Lord. You are my Lord. You know? And I love my servant. He's, he's, imagine being one of the men under the centurion. Do you not think that you would be a pretty good soldier if you had a, a leader like this? Um, now, this is the first centurion that I want to talk about. There's another centurion, the one beside Jesus, as Jesus breathes his last. It's in Mark. There's a centurion standing closest to Jesus. And it says in Mark that when Jesus... Jesus, when Jesus let out, let out a loud cry and breathed his last, and the centurion, uh, watching close by, he said, "Truly, this was the son, this is the Son of God." 
I know that's the second centurion. Centurions must be intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they observe, they look, they say things like, I too am a man under authority, so there's people above me and there's people below me. And when I say go, they go. And I say come, they come. My Lord, I am beneath you. And I believe that when you say that my servant is healed, he will be healed. Because he's admitting, he's acknowledging that all authority is beneath Jesus. What is it that um, Isaiah says, proclaiming the uh, prophesies, prophesying the birth of Jesus, and the government will be on his shoulders? You know this idea that Jesus is the ultimate authority. Um, when 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 you got crucified in the Roman times there was a sign put it on the above your head nailed above your head to basically tell passers-by what your crime was and then mark it says that the sign on jesus's cross was the king of the jews that was what he was the criminal he was the king of the jews and jesus is guilty of that because he's not just the king of the jews he's the king of as jesus in his own words he says Never have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so there's the so that's the first centurion, the one who came to Jesus and said, I believe that you've already healed my servant. And Jesus says, Go as you have believed, and the servant was healed. You have the second centurion who when Jesus died, he said, Truly this was the son this is the Son of God. And then you have the third centurion. This is after Jesus has ascended. This is the centurion um with Paul and Silas locked up in prison. And there was a they, they all started singing uh, hymns and psalms, and then there was a great earthquake and all the doors flung open in the prison. And when the centurion came, or the guard came and saw that all the prisoners, all the doors were open, he immediately drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul screams, stop! We are all here. None of us have left. This centurion, this third centurion, would rather end himself than face the consequences of what would happen if every single prisoner escaped that prison because Romans, they're brutal, brutal people. And as soon as... And he, this centurion must have been listening. He must, he must have been deeply moved because he must have been listening to them singing. And then this earthquake. And then they're all escaping. That's what he's thinking. He's all escaping. And then he's like, oh, man, that's just, that's just too much. But then saw so, uh, Paul's like, nah, mate, we're all right. And what does what does the centurion do? He invites Paul and Silas into his home. All right, so from prison into the home of a centurion, and they talk to the whole family of the centurion, and the whole family is saved. And it mirrors what Jesus has said. Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham and Isaac. I can't wait to meet those three centurions in heaven. I can't wait to really just... And I believe this with all my heart that I will talk to these people. Because 
in heaven it's eternity that means you have an eternity with every single person who's been saved you have an eternity to know them to the infinitely and to intimate and deep relationships i can't wait for that with these guys who were like what, what, what was really going on through your head because the bible is like you know it's a summary you know it's this is what happened a b and c boom 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 it's not a real sort of narrative of exactly what was going on like a book or, or like a like a like a novel or something you know it's ju- it's it's just what needs th- to be it's it's just what there is and this is where this faith comes in okay we believe this word because john tells us that um in the beginning there was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and um and hebrew says for the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing um piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart the word of god is a sword like in ephesians 6 it talks about it again being like a sword in hebrews and it talks about that the the lord jesus christ is the word the lord jesus christ is the sword and um, that's used a lot because some people like to think that the cross trying to turn when it looks like a sword um but it's this understanding that jesus is lord overall the centurion saw it what is it what does the centurion confess he says he says um I'm a man who is under authority and people are under authority me. He just, he instantly says, look, no one, no one is over you. No one has authority over you. Um, And I want to have faith like that. I want to have this kind of understanding that no matter, no matter how many people I'm in charge of or no matter how many people are in charge of me, that, jesus christ is the one who is in charge of my heart all right and this is where the this is where the wake-up call begins um so i'm going to read um i'm going to read on and when jesus entered peter's house he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever he touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him that evening they brought him to many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders. This is, this is the really wake, big wake-up call, okay? so listen carefully. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. 
Did Jesus come to save the world? Yes. <laughs> really? He came to die on a cross. God loved the world. God loves the world. But the world is going to be judged and destroyed in fire. Jesus says we are not to be of the world. John 3.16 is not a verse about saving the world. It's a verse about saving those who believe in him will have eternal life. And Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury the dead. Modern Christians like to go around and think... Save everyone you can, you know, go around and, you know, be a Christian, be this perfect. I read a quote today, it really, really hit me. It said, if any Christian and if any modern Christian took the time to act like like one of the first Christians, he would be considered abnormal. And I, I, I hit me there. I was just like, because mm, we all fall into that kind of category with the amount of progress in history that has happened. Um... Jesus is the savior of the world. But yet he literally calls this guy's family dead. Does that not, does that not like hit us? Does that not actually make us think about people who we're close to? About family members who we're close to? You know? And Jesus has said, let the dead bury the dead. That's a wake-up call for Christians. That's a wake-up call for Christians to understand that not everyone is going to be saved. Jesus didn't come to save the world. He came to judge it and save those from the judgment that the world deserves. To save those from sin. A similar passage that would be Luke 14... Uh, verse 26 if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple another really hard-hitting thing jesus said he came to separate families and drive a wedge between siblings i will destroy the temple destroy this temple and it will be rebuilt in three days jesus and we talked about this. What was our? What was the last passage we looked at? The really tense debate where it ended up with them trying to stone Jesus. Uh, last um, episode, Jesus is so full of hard, hard words, but they cut to the soul, like like Hebrews says. The they said, uh, "Your father is the devil." Was mm. one of the things they said. Yeah. Yes, you worship the father of lies, is what he said. Or you're a, and and also that you're a slave to sin, and they look at him and they say, "How can we be a slave? We are free." And he says, "Truly, I say to you, you are a slave to your sin." And then they're like, "No, we do sacrifices. We're not sinful. We're not." And then they throw stones at him. This, there you go. Um, well, the key element between those two passages uh, we just read, it's. Like obviously, it's good to love your family and wife, obviously. And children, obviously, and obviously, it's good to mm-hmm. bear your father when he mm-hmm. dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the point he's making is that it's following Christ is not a secondary mm-hmm. 
uh, cause uh, with a, a bit if you do a wee bit of research I'm sure you've probably found out um, in Jewish tradition it was tradition to bury the dead within the day mm. they die right it was, it was an instantaneous mm. thing but uh, what I didn't realise uh, they had a tradition where a year later or so after they first buried them after the, the body all decomposed they dig up the bones put it in a fancy container basically and bury it somewhere else so uh, some people have even alluded to I'll follow you but when it's time you know when it's yeah later and later in this I'll case, follow you when it suits me you know? yeah it's kind of I'll, yeah I'll just I'll do these things first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do it. Like loads of you. I'm, Being sure, you've, I'm sure you've heard loads of people uh, yeah. say, and they're uh, from first-hand experience of themselves, or you know, they're with you know, they're telling you about someone else. Mm. Loads of people think I'll just be a Christian. Uh, so say if they say they think Christian at church, Christianity is maybe something to look into, right? Mm-hmm but they don't actually want to be a Christian. So they're like, I want to live my life, have fun. And then maybe when I'm like 60 or 70, I'll be a I'll Christian. I'll think about it. Right, and then yeah. you'll just, like, I'll cheat the system here. Mm. I'll just get it at the end. That's And that's the way you think. No. Mm. Um, well, these these pastors here say that's, that's, that's not right at all. No. No. You I, cannot serve with God and man. Exactly. Now, what this also strikes me what strikes me is um is jesus saying this if a christian said their family's dead or they're a lost cause they're not a very good christian because they're taking the authority that jesus has and applying it to someone else you don't know that person's heart you don't know that person the reason why jesus was so effective in people following them was because he knew exactly what to say to them he knew the hearts and minds of men man looks at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart and to say to some for a christian to say to someone you know you're dead your family's dead you're screwed pretty much i it's it, it makes me ashamed um I understand that you could say it in a kind of defense, like uh, if somebody was evil, 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 and you... But then again, the Bible says, right, well, they will have their judgment. The Bible says, love your enemy. The Bible, you know, there's a lot of tough things that we Christians feel at, but it's the understanding that we do feel at them. And it's th- it, it, that in itself reminds us even more that we need our Savior. Because we fail at the standard. We always fall short of that standard that God wants from us. And that's why Jesus is there. But that do- <laughs> when people think they're at that standard really gets me. Okay, So when it says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Like if I ask somebody, if some wise old Christian and I said, I really want my friend to be a Christian. What can I do? And their response was, let the dead bury the dead. Well, I'd be like, that's not the right context to use that in. Because to me, the people who I care about are not dead yet. Jesus himself has not told me, let the dead bury their own dead. I feel 
that my relationship with Christ, he will reveal to me when I have to stop pursuing my friends or pursuing my family to follow Jesus. Not when some other person says. And that's a kind of pride that I have. I only, the only master and commander of my soul is Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus till the day I die. All right. So let's go on to this next bit here. Um, he said that I needed to cross to the other side. All right. The cross the other side of the sea there. Um, the sea, the sea of Galilee. Um, to escape the crowds because it was just getting a bit much. Uh, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. I love that. The son of man, the king of angel armies, is sleeping. And I think this, once again, provides to us an example of not by our will, but by God's will. Jesus knows the will of God. Jesus is like, I'm not going to die in a shipwreck. Like, If there is a shipwreck, I won't die, but it'll be pretty pretty interesting to see what happens all right <laughs> he was asleep and they went and woke him and and jesus this is exactly what he was thinking because jesus says uh they they go save us lord we are perishing and he said to them why are you afraid there's the fear living by fear not by faith why are you afraid oh you of little faith then he, <laughs> then he rose and rebuked the waves and the sea, and there was a great calm. This crying out to God like children, God will always, you know, God will always calm the storm. But I feel that when we're mature in our faith, that we, when storms happen, we learn not to cry out. We learn to sleep. We learn to trust. We learn to understand that God is sending this storm. God is causing this storm for the reason of whatever happens after it. Like I say time and time again, if we knew the mind of God, we wouldn't change a thing. Everything happens for the reason it happens. And that's why now, as I say time and time again, is the most important time. Jesus rebuked the waves and the sea and there was a great calm and the men marveled saying what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him that's that's a lot of power that's a lot of faith who's and people's Jesus has faith it's not Jesus has faith in himself Jesus has faith in his father Jesus is sent by his father. Um, he's the example. Okay. Yes, he is the authority. But authority needs to be led by example. And to show a good example of how we are to be as his children, as children of, in this great family. We, and this is the wake up call for Christians. That look, storms, yeah tragedies yeah dragons yeah the lord has covered it all you know um i forgot to read something that i was gonna add in there for in relation to uh, that we passage the cost of 
following Jesus. Mm. Um, so Matthew 20, verse, uh, verse 20. Basically, a mother of two of the disciples is talking to Jesus here. Mm. Uh, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, uh, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for the, uh, for those whom it has been prepared for by my father. And then the ten heard it, uh, and when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be among you must be as your slave. Uh, be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. I love that the Bible is so filled of the sort of contradictions to what we really want. You know, how to be good in life is to get money and power and to get a good social credit idea, this good reputation. But then the Bible is all about humble and be lower and serve the bible's all about don't indulge your indulgences don't uh, don't 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 let them control you it's it's kind of poetic but it's about rising above everything else to go beneath everything else you know rise above the need for this position and settle with going beneath it because because there is a place for us prepared. I love to think that. Imagine entering heaven, um, and the you're 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 there, your 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 journey is done. Now on to the next adventure, and you remember that Jesus said, "Whoever is sitting to the left and right of me is, is being prepared by my Father." Imagine you went to heaven and the two seats were still empty. You know, thinking and that and you'd think going back down on earth, wow, there's there's somebody down there still who's gonna do is gonna sit next to Jesus, he's gonna sit next to God. And sometimes you can even wish that when you're thinking that, they approach you and they say, Your seat's here and you're like, I have done nothing to deserve this this not only am i in heaven but i'm next to my savior now obviously it's not it's not going to be me but when you think like that don't apply it to sitting next to jesus apply it to just heaven in itself i don't deserve this mansion i don't deserve this new world this adventure this new heaven I don't deserve this new body. I don't deserve this new life. I don't deserve to see the greats of the Bible before me. Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I don't, I don't, 
I don't deserve this. I just sit on my ass and do nothing. I I just work in a coffee shop. I I am yes, I was a Christian, but I just if you were to take all the sins, if you were to get if you were to put me in a in a in, in a football pitch and I had to write in the dirt or I had to or the entire football pitch is covered in paper and I had to write all my sins, you'd need more football pitches. Because there isn't anything I could possibly do to deserve heaven. Except the fact that Jesus took my punishment. So it doesn't matter what you deserve or don't deserve. It doesn't matter if there's something inside of you that tells you that you're worthless, that you're nothing. It's not what you don't deserve. It's what's been done for you. You know, it's like, think of it like going to a club or something and there's a bouncer, okay? And he's like, you can't come in here because you're, say, wearing the wrong shoes or you're... You don't have the right VIP pass, or it's just like it's a particular night or something, and you're like, ah, you know, and then you then you're like, oh, I don't, you don't deserve to be in here. And the bouncer's just like, and then and then you come back and you're in the perfect get where you've got everything you need, and then the bouncer's like, no, you don't deserve to be in here. And then and then you're like, how dare you? I've got the shoes, I've got the VIP pass, I've got everything I could possibly need. I'm best friends with the owner. You know, I'm best friends with the owner. I, I, he knows I'm here, get him down right now. I deserve to be in this club. And the bouncer then proceeds to tell you, to tell everyone who's with you everything you've done wrong in your entire life. Every look you gave, every thought you had, and soon the company you're around start to start to like move away from you. You know, the people who you thought had your back, who were closest to you, are looking at you in pure disgust. They're looking at you as if you've committed murder because you looked at people with hatred. And so he's just, the bouncer's describing to you just how you looked at people and what you wished upon them. And they're looking at you like you're the biggest psychopath. Like you don't even deserve anything ever. You know? And everyone around you's gone. And it's just you. And you're sitting here and you're just baffled. And the bouncer finishes up and he says, You don't deserve to be in here. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you don't deserve to be in here because the boss of this club is in prison is he's because of you he took all the crimes that you should be convicted of he did that in your in your shoes so you could experience paradise so Christians who think that they've got the good shoes on or or all the company in the world that they need or have done all the right things, they're still on the same level as Christians with not the right shoes on. 
Christians with not the right company, Christians who don't even go to, who can't be able to. It's it's like the woman with the coin who are the Pharisees are dropping bags of gold into the into the into the temple, and this woman has these two like pennies, and she just pops them in, and um, Jesus says, "None of these people have the same amount of faith as that little woman there." It's these little things, and Jesus died for that woman as he did die for. Uh, some Pharisees who became Christians you know it's not what we deserve because we all deserve death, we all deserve prison it's what Jesus did in light of that now, this is the last story and we're going to finish up with this this is the part I think that the disciples pretty much peed themselves in fear Jesus heals two men with demons. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the uh, Gadarnes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs. So fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Josh, this is a wild day <laughs> for the disciples. Coming a storm, healing lepers, healing everyone left, right, and center. Basically, Jesus talking to a centurion. And then the next thing you know, demons are saying, Son of God, what have you to do with us? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Imagine being Peter and you're like, what time? <laughs> What what are they talking about? What what's going on? What exactly is he talking about? Demons profess that Jesus is Lord. There are two creatures. There there are four creatures uh, made. Uh, I'm gonna say there are four. I don't mean holy because I'm gonna talk about too holy and too sinful. But um, there are four sort of divine creatures. Angels and, well, so you've got angels, demons, and people. But there's two kinds of people. You've got Christians and non-Christians. Satanic creatures are demons and non-Christians. And holy creatures are angels and Christians. Okay? Now, this may sound like I've just contradicted everything that I said, how everyone doesn't matter what shoes you fill, doesn't matter. I'm not saying this in terms of rank. I'm not saying this in terms of, oh, that's what you are. I'm not calling people dead because I'm not Jesus. I don't know if people are dead yet or not. You know, that the dead bury the dead, going back to that. What I am saying is that demons are saying that they know when the time is coming. They know the time of judgment well before anybody even had a flipping clue what Jesus was on about here, all right? It was demons that realized first that they, when they saw Jesus, they saw judgment. They begged him, put us into the pigs. We'll leave these two guys alone. We'll put us to the pigs. Please don't torment us before the time. And all timing is in the Lord. Jesus says one thing. He says, go. And the demons 
hurry into the pigs and the pigs fly off the cliff killing themselves or into the the river exactly or something like that um they kill themselves thus the demons being running away escaping they gone and then what do the people say they say leave you just possessed a bunch of pigs you gotta leave well more so they, they begged him to leave they begged him to leave the whole region the, what's this place this place is called Gadernus okay or um, Gadarenes or something like that Jesus purpose coming here was for these two guys who were possessed by demons who didn't say a word until after and and I think it shocks it should shock Christians that it reminds me of James James very and I love to think he's was sarcastic when he was saying this he says do you think you're saved because you know that Jesus is Lord even the demons know that Jesus is Lord that's not enough it's not enough you know you need to have something to go with it demons could never have that something to go with it okay they only have that Jesus is Lord and non-Christians don't know that Jesus is Lord and don't know um, that what other the, the faith that you need to have in order for those two things to become a Christian demons ha- demons know that Jesus is Lord and refuse to have anything more than to be the enemy of him and to fear him because they really feared him um I think it's worth to mention this really terrifying fa- f- like thing that um hell is not where Satan lives hell is not Satan is not the ruler of hell the ruler of hell is God hell is where Satan and his demons and all sinners sorry all sin because we're all sinners but sin is to be destroyed don't you feel a little bit like the demons terrified the demons are in the planet the demons are in earth and they're trying to do as much as they can before their time they know it's coming and they're trying so hard to do anything they can that's why they're called that's why it's chaos here on earth it's why they love chaos because their time's running out and as christians we are not phased by that at all as christians we can see that these evil things are gonna pass away and never again rise to power it's a really it kind of feels you make you feel exposed as a christian that well wow actually there's a spiritual battle going on like it says in the bible uh lots of times there's a spiritual battle in the heavenly places happening that we do not know about and i think that's why there are these only so we don't see angels and we don't see demons they're having their own spiritual battles let's go to these other two creatures and i'm, I'm finishing up with this these other two creatures human beings the ones that believe the ones that are going to heaven and the ones that are going to hell <laughs> 
it's the, the the demons know that Jesus is Lord, but then you've got people who don't know that Jesus is Lord. Who do you think? Who do you think is the is it the responsibility of angels or other humans to try and save people from the whispers of demons? Jesus isn't Lord. How do you know Jesus is Lord? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? It, no, once you're dead, you're dead. You can't rise from the dead. It's just not possible. All these whispers, all these little things that everybody hears in their heads when they think about Jesus, like, oh, it's not possible. These whispers. It's our job to not combat that in a sense, and that sounds a bit violent for me, but to challenge and to... I think, as, and, and, to, and to convince ourselves as Christians that we have such a gift being a Christian to have the faith that we do. And we need to we need to share it as best we can because for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The world is going to perish. Every demon is going to perish. Satan is going to perish. Sin is going to perish. And when you have sin, you're dirty. And dirty hands cannot clean a dirty body and a dirty heart. You need something clean, and Jesus is the only pure, clean thing. And that is what I'm trying to... That's the wake-up call. Do you mm. mind if I reframe these last two yeah, yeah. stories? Uh, as in the crossing of the sea and the, the two... The, the the demon mm. guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we just if we just step back, they're, they're pretty similar stories. They have the same sort of arc in them, you know. So these uh, we we come we come to we're going out from these stories of faith, you know, the the centurion and the lepers and Mary and the just the people, uh, and then they're on the, now they're on the boat, they're on the sea, okay. And Jesus sleeps in the in the boat, and the waves start to get uh, tempestuous. You know, mm. they're very chaotic. Okay, uh, if you can think about it, um, you can think about it like uh, if we're able to an actual like a normal person's life, right? Someone can be lost, or their life is in chaos. And why? Why is that? What's the difference between being in a boat where the waves are tempestuous uh, and a boat where you're on the sea still, but you don't fear for that you're going to die? Mm. What's the difference? Okay. Um, I'd say it's because uh, the person has forgotten uh, both who Christ is and what he's demanded uh, what what Christ has demanded from the person. Uh, if you think about it, uh, in times of absolute chaos, uh, they can actually be, be blessings, right? I'm sure you've experienced this. So you don't know what 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 the crack is. You know what's going on, right? There's a there's a point where you just give up trying to figure out what's going to happen, right? And that's that's similar to what the disciples did. Uh, yeah, they they didn't have enough faith to start with, but due to the circumstances, it was so chaotic. They they just went to Jesus, right? They gave in, sort of thing. Yes, they rebuked him, but I think there's something in that there. 
Mm. Um, I, um, I, I'm, just, I've, I'm going to read some of the stuff I've written down here. Uh, they allow... Uh, they allow uh, it to be prov- you to be provoked to the point where you gain focus and pay attention to what you should be paying attention to. So there are two or three ways you can be far from Christ in these these stories, right? We've just talked about. You can either forget who he is when he sleeps, or these last two are very similar. Or you don't f- you don't fully hand over your life to him or you outright reject him and mm. you don't want him so I'll be the guy who is like yeah I'll go but just first let me do this that kind of thing there's, mm. there's not there's a reluctancy just waiting for convenience for convenience sake and so your your weaknesses sometimes overtakes your uh, it overtakes you when you're faced with struggles but as outlined in this boat Thankfully, Jesus is always in the boot to bring things back, mm. I think. Uh, but I mean, in both the the demon example and the calming of the sea, it's the same act. It's a shift where the attention is placed back on, on Christ, right? Unmovingly, mm. per se. And if you, if you can think about it, even within just the crossing of the sea, it's like there's there's two answers that were given there. One was the disciples' answer. One was Jesus's answer. The components are still all there. They're still in a boat. Still sur- uh, surfing on this chaotic water, right? But the the disciples' answer would have brought death. Christ's answer, it was still. Mm. There's a great calm. Just think about I like, that. I like what you said there. Um when Christ sleeps, where's our faith? Like, you can go to church and feel the power. You can feel so like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I, I fall victim to this whenever we do podcasts and I feel I feel great. But then afterwards, on my own, and I'm like on my Xbox or just doing stuff on my own, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, where's my faith? Where, where'd it go? Yeah. Where's, where's, where's that power that I felt, you know? Yeah, but where's is Christ, where is Christ has Christ is. fallen asleep? But like, so what if he falls asleep? He's still Christ, you know. Yeah, my, my words were exactly it. You forget who he is while he sleeps, and exactly that's an issue to to work on. Anyway, the the second part of what I want to talk about, leading to the very start, I was like, right, where are we going with this episode? Right, mm. uh, we were somewhat on track, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but I said, where are we? Where are we as a society? You said to me in that phone call, we were, I think we're in the times of Noah. Okay, and I'm going to elaborate on that. Uh, we're on the edge. I think about it even in terms of all the all the stories we've been talking about. We're on the edge of the world, right? It's like we're, we've left on the boat. Yeah. We're going to somewhere else. And on the edge of the world, on the fringes of time, uh, we are not on that which is stable. And we are surrounded with unusable salt water, right? Sea chaotic sea unusable yes. where's salt water been what makes salt chaos water? what what makes salt water different to normal water fresh it's, water it's pretty nasty you can drink fresh water you can right they're both water they're both chaotic but as we only one of them one of them produces death and one produces life mm. okay um now to further back my points you know we are chaotic we like identity we're in a chaotic landscape we like identity 
we to the point where we can't even see the land let alone the mountain top where everything's originated from right mm-hmm. we're lost there's no commitment to state or a king or a monarch um, family there's less commitment to family people are as soon as they get to 18 sometimes they leave the company don't come back right I, I speak to people every day and they say mm. oh my sister's in so-and-so country my sis my brother's in another country uh like new zealand america australia france germany just everywhere right mm. there's no centralization of like this is where i'm from this is my family right uh even yourself is not as extreme but even with localized to northern ireland you said to yourself yourself to me you know the thompsons are spread out at least you're in northern ireland mm. right don't take that for granted um spouse uh marriages uh divorce rates are incredibly high it's yes. ridiculous uh children to the point where we don't necessarily value child yeah uh, children as much like to, to the, the point for example abortion there's right? a silent holocaust happening at we speak yeah um church we're not as connected to our church uh, bodies, uh, the, the body of the church, as much like it's the same as like neighbors. We're we're all over the place. We're not we're not. We have no defining point of principle where we we are all related. We're we everywhere. The pure potential water. of chaos. And again, a tradition slash culture. Maybe that's a good thing in Northern Ireland, but. Uh, <laughs> But we don't have respect for ancestors. If you think, if you if you listen to some intellectual guy on YouTube, right, and say if they're a, a more materialist of the materialist persuasion, mm. they'd be like our oh, ancestors. They didn't understand it, right? They say they tell they tell some crazy myth story, and they say, "Weren't those guys idiots?" No, I'm glad we know uh, these exact mechanical processes now, but those guys were. They just weren't informed. There's a lack of respect for the people who got you here. Mm. Um, and that's to do with identity. And it cuts so deep where we don't even have a, a strong identity in ourselves. No less, uh, including who we ought to be in the future. And just one manifestation of this, we're not, it plays in a wee bit with uh, tradition. And it's a bit political. Sorry. Right. Uh, if you get annoyed about by this, you probably would have chinned off for this point anyway. But yep. uh, you know, <laughs> gender identity, that whole political, controversial stuff, there's like a million different... Yes. You can do where, be wherever you want, do whatever you day. want. You know, you know, change, you be you, you're defined by... I, I watched, I seen someone's story as well ago now. Uh, someone put in their story on, on Snapchat. And it's basically an explanation of why uh, um, why gender is fluid. You can choose, but why? Yeah. Being case for that, and they said it like I'm sure it, it probably would baffle some people to the point where oh, I don't know how to answer that. Right? Yeah. It's the, the clues are in the 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 presuppositions for these kind of things. Presuppositions. Yeah. Um, they said, well, gender is a social construct. Right. And social constructs, you know, they're just, they're in our heads. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not, not made of necessarily a tangible thing. So therefore it could be anything. Mm. Therefore gender, this is gender, a social construct. 
it's not a tangible like proper thing we can we can just change it mm. why not make people happy right mm. now i agree with the fact is it a, it's a fact that gender is a social construct that's a fact right they, they say that's true now the thing is you can't change there's you can't change social constructs mm-hmm. as easy the person who made that claim do not does not speak for the whole society mm-hmm. right and you need to respect that process but they don't um no well it's 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 mind gymnastics at the end of the day yeah. but uh yeah i could talk about it for a long but yeah, i'm gonna move on we can talk, talk, talk about those for ages gonna move on uh, um our place to live used to be, this is back to like physical church buildings, okay? Mm. Uh, our places used to, play, I cannot read, well, I can't write and I can't read what <laughs> I've written, which isn't isn't a good combination. Uh, basically, our, where we used to live, the places where we live, they were used to be defined by the church at its center, right? It, that would be the epicenter of a place, a village or a town, right? Mm. The church, because that's the center of everything. And, and a Christian society, mm. anyway. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll try and wrap up uh, as soon as possible. Um, now we have sprawling copy-paste buildings everywhere. Just they're all the same, and and most people in the village be like, "Oh, what, where's the church again?" It's like that's a question you wouldn't even have thought about being a possibility mm. like, not too long ago. Well, especially in more developed Christian countries. Uh, there's no differentiation between meaning, like postmodernism, nihilism, uh, atheism are the worldviews of of the day. Uh, it's a flat landscape, pure potential, no foundation of value. All right, just link all these things together. Okay, we are biding our time until the world has collapsed, and from then we are to set on a voyage across the sea to new lands, just like Noah, right? Just like Jonah. Just like Jesus on the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. Just like the Israelites when they crossed the river from the wilderness to the promised land. Just like Daniel uh, and the lion's den. Just like the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are at the end of the line and we are not slowing down. And there is no going back, nor should there be. The beast, the stranger, the outsider, the monsters of the world, the dragon that lurks in the sea. These are who we are going to have to confront and we better give the right answer, have the right answer ready or else we would rather end up in Hades. This has happened before and this will happen again till the day there is no drop of salt water left on this planet. Right, if you go to Revelation, that's what I'm quoting, that's what I'm... I'm going to fix there really quick. Bear with me. Revelations 20. See, it all makes sense, you see. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. And that's not the right. Next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That's what this means it means that a correct answer has been given uh the good thing is christianity has given the correct answer every time to date and that is what it means to be a christian to hold fast to that answer that is the call to action right i'm gonna quote uh the hobbit here right where does your journey end 
I suspect uh, that where does your journey end? I guess a quest to reclaim a homeland and slay a dragon. I suspect something more prosaic, attempted burglary or something of that kind. This is a call to action, right? A call to adventure. Uh, through grace, you have uh, been given a flaming sword, unable to be extinguished. You only need unsheath it. May your acceptance of the task at hand be your ticket on the boat. Faith. That's the. That's my notes. That's that's your notes. That's that, really and nice. that is that is that is faith. The difference between faith and fear. You can live with fear, but faith is the sort of Anastasia. The <laughs> I don't know. Anastasia. I don't know what's it called. My brain's gone. Um, I see the answers everywhere. I see patterns everywhere of God and of how everything fits so well with his plan that it gets to the point where I feel I can barely take it anymore in terms of I need to get this out. And I feel like the podcast really helps you and I do that. And that is one of the many reasons why Josh and I do this podcast. Because, well, if I'm being honest, I believe we are sick and tired of what's happening in the world. And we feel that we got to do something about it. We need only unsheath our sword. Yeah. And the sword is the Bible. And that's what we're going to live by. Thank you very much for listening. Um, do give us questions. We love questions. This is probably the longest one that wasn't a guest episode. Thanks for telling us that at the very end of the podcast. <laughs> um, um, yeah, if you if you did make it through the whole way through, uh, we'll give a giveaway. <laughs> and um, you'll only know I said that if you watch the whole thing through. So yeah. <laughs> right. Goodbye. Before goodbye. you make any more promises. Goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.